Are you mindset, ready, set, mindset? No, that doesn't make sense. Rini, that's a very good introduction to the program. If you're just tuning in, we're having a conversation off mic and we're going to just run right into it here. Ready, um, mindset, go. That's the name of the episode. Lee, take note. This is Dear Anxiety. Today's episode, Ready, Mindset, Go. We're going to talk about mindsets with Rini Jane, who's coming up in just a minute. Let me tell you about Dear Anxiety. In case you're just listening right now, like if you're listening from the beginning of the episode, this is a show that deals with how we deal with our thoughts and feelings, how we deal with our own mental well-being. And we talk about all issues related to that. We talk about, we, we not only talk about it, we give you practices that you can use in your daily lives. And my co-host is here, thank God, and Rini is, well, she has studied applied positive psychology for many years, has been a practitioner, and also has a website, a business, a whole world called gozen.com, which teaches resilient skills to kids and parents. It's in many schools and many mental health professionals, as you'll hear a little bit about later on in the episode. But Rini, mindsets, ready, mindset, go. What is what is your mindset and how did you arrive at it today? I'm not going to lie. My mindset, I have an enchilada mindset right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Which is, a, I, an, you know, my office is next to this really yummy Mexican restaurant and I just cannot help my mind. But doesn't <laughs> mind that come from, itself. doesn't that come from uh, your work at University of Pennsylvania with Marty Seligman? Didn't he have an enchilada mindset? Yes, yes, he indeed did have an enchilada mindset. If we okay. could all just view the world through the lens of good Mexican food, I don't know, the world would be a better place. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> have you guys had some good chips and salsa today? I don't know. Oh, that could wow. help with our well-being. I'm not, you know, I mean, they should be the healthy kind with probably some flax seeds in them and they should be baked and not <laughs> fried. We have no idea what we're talking about. No, we're talking about mindsets today. Yeah, I have to my, tell you something mindset, about mindsets. Yeah. Sure. So it reminds me of my mom who... <laughs> She's so funny. I have to laugh every time I think about her and talk about her because she's just funny. She makes me laugh. But she used to make me cringe, actually, when she would say, you know, you just have to look at the bright side and just think more positively. Uh, that would make me so I would be so irritated by that. Why does that have the opposite effect, by the way? Because it completely negates where you're at at the moment. Yes. That's one no. of the big reasons. No empathy. No, like, let me let you feel your feelings. Just I didn't think, I didn't hear what you're saying right now. You might as well throw a bullhorn say I did not hear anything that you just said. Yeah, whatever's going on with you doesn't matter what frostbite toes falling off. Think right. positively. No, you just need to think positively. You need to have a positive mindset. And that's, you know, what, yeah, it's just because we're not listening. I mean, if you said positive mindset after you connected with, we worked with somebody, Jennifer Kalari, and, and, and the, you know, connected parenting, where your intention is to connect, not anything else, not to get your kids to do anything, but just to connect. That's just that alone could change your whole relationship with your kids. But that's a different episode. That's, but maybe that is a mindset. Maybe that is part of mindset. I think that's okay. Mindset. That's every episode, right? Connected yeah. to be connected and to say like my intention in this conversation is not behavior modification, is not to fix your problem, but to just to connect with you so that well, you're open with me. Yeah, it's a mindset. And if you think about mindset, 
if you think about what what am I, you know, setting my intention to, or if you're somebody who sets intentions, period, the mindset is it, it could be something that's like greater than I want to get my homework done. It could be something greater than, you know, it, when you say I want to connect with my family or I want to connect with the people around me or I want to connect with the people I talk to today, it seems like a broader kind of thing. And I guess my question for you about mindsets is, is a mindset about something very specific or could it be about something very broad? I think it can be both. There are beliefs that shape the way you view the world, right? So they are deep, they can be deep-rooted beliefs that they're beliefs. And then that forms the perspective from which you look at the world, through which you look at the world, I, I should say. And, so and, whether they're broad or whether they're specific, I think it kind of depends. I think we are going to talk about three mindsets today, and one might be applied more broadly than others, which is optimists versus pessimists. You know, and we have touched on this before. Yes, optimists. But we're going to touch on it again because it's important. It's important. Optimist versus versus pessimist is one mindset. And what are the other two? I'm just curious. We are going to talk about growth mindsets versus fixed mindsets. Okay. We are going to talk about stress mindsets. So stress is good for you. Stress is not good for you. So we're going to oh. talk about three different kinds of mindsets today and how they affect your behavior and how they affect what happens within your body. The, the thing that the most beautiful thing about mindset research is that the way you think about the world affects the way that stress reacts in your body. It's amazing. That is amazing. The way you think about the world. Okay. So where do these things come from? You know, you say a belief is a thought that you think over and over again. A thought that you oh. think over and over and over and over and over and over again becomes a belief. Yes. So, you know, you have these beliefs that I think that that is an entire episode, right? Where does it come from? So <laughs> there are a lot of beliefs that you probably absorb from the way that you were raised, the culture around you, the TV shows or the YouTube shows that you watch, right? The magazines or the online periodicals that you read, what other people around you are doing. You know, there probably are some beliefs that you tap into on your own. Maybe you are a contemplative person or practice something contemplative like meditation and beliefs come to you. So I think where they come from is, wow, that's like a really deep topic. But I know that most people have some things that they believe in, right? And mm -hmm. your what you believe really shapes the way that you view the world. So let's be a little bit more specific. So when my mom used to tell me, you know, you should just look at the bright side of things, that would make me cringe. However, when I started reading Marty Seligman's research studies on optimism and pessimism, that really piqued my interest because there's something that he calls explanatory style. And this is the way that you explain good and bad things that happen in your life. And from his research, we know that optimists and pessimists differ in three really distinct ways. Do you want to know what they are? There are three ways. Here come, are here ways. are now the ways. Okay, give me a challenge. I need an example. So it's not abstract. Okay, so this is a, an optimist or pessimist. I'm taking my kids to school and I cannot believe how much traffic there is. 
Okay, here we go. So the pessimist thinks bad things last forever. Ugh. I'm going to be in this traffic every single day for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. This is the worst. Why did I choose this school? Why do I live in the city? Why do I have this car? You know, like this is going to last forever. Okay, there's okay. the pessimist. Okay. The optimist sees a challenge. And it's not that they don't experience the challenge, but they see an end. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, at least I only have to do this for a few months right? Or maybe I can move closer or, closer, or maybe there's something in my control to change, but it's going to come to an end. It's a season in my life. It's not all of my life. Okay, so that is one dimension in which pessimists and optimists differ, a temporal or, or time, right? Permanence or temporary. Okay, right. the next thing is what part of your life it affects. Okay, so the challenge, you want to give me a different challenge or should we work with the same one? Let's work with that one. Okay, listen, Sitting in traffic is the worst, and my entire life sucks. <laughs> so a pessimist thinks of a challenge, and it, it bleeds into every area of their life. I'm going through this thing, you know, with dropping off my kids to school, and I'm sitting in traffic, and that just, oh, that makes me late for work. And then, you know, I start to think about the, the, the work that I have to do, the fight I had with my boss. Basically, one thing rolls into another, right? It's pervasive. Mm optimists will keep it to a specific part of their life. Oh, this is really bad, but there are other good things going on. Or right. this is really bad, but it's just driving to school. All right. Right. That's, that's a big, that's part. a big difference. Now, now yes. my question is why it's so easy to like, it was so easy for you to say that traffic is bad. My life sucks. Because <laughs> it's a habit. It's a habit of yeah. mind, right? Okay. okay. So if we are into the habit of being pervasive, right? So there's three P's basically. Permanence, we went over. Things last forever. It's going to be the worst forever. Pervasiveness, which means that it affects every part of my life. And then pessimists will also blame themselves, right? They will personalize. Oh my goodness. I made the worst decision ever moving to this home and the school is so far away, and now I'm stuck in this traffic. So they blame themselves. Whereas an optimist will look for all of the reasons for a challenge, and a lot of times those can be external. Well, I didn't create the traffic issue, the gridlock in L.A., Chicago, New York, Hong Kong, like wherever you live, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't create that, obviously. And so it's not all of my fault. So... Really, the three areas in which a pessimist and an optimist differ and is in the way that they explain the challenge, right? Their explanatory style. So permanence, pervasiveness, and personalization are what pessimists do. And optimists look at things as temporary, specific, and they externalize problems. Wow. That is a, again, on a, on a, in a mental gym, I feel like that would be the first, that would be one of the exercises that you would practice would be how to deconstruct, you know, what I'm, what I'm thinking and how I think. One of the things that I heard recently, and you talk about accurate thinking, I heard the word balanced thinking, and I liked it a lot because I was listening to something and balanced thinking is that you don't negate what's going on, but you balance it with, <laughs> with what's real and not out of proportion. And I thought that that was a very interesting word. I liked it. It's not because balance, it's like you're, you know, a lot of times with optimism, people think that it means, you know, not being aware of what's real. Yeah. 
you're just you're just kind of a cheerleader and everything's like yippee hooray and this is great yeah. I like balance thinking too, as well and I feel like that that's something that you could really do some self-reflection I have always tended to be pretty I would call it passionate my parents would have probably called it extreme which lent towards me always you know making things permanent and pervasive I was always saying always right so I think that you can see if you're thinking isn't balanced when you're using those kind of words. If you're using never, everything, everyone, always, right? That kind of language can actually be changed. And yeah. so you can modify your explanatory style and your brain can begin to change its lens, right? From a pessimistic lens to an optimistic lens, because I think we get really focused on, well, I was just born like this, you know, or some people like to say, well, I'm just a realist, Right. But what we're going for is looking at, you know, in this show, what's what does the science show us up until now and what can we do? What's in our control to change? So I think I was really taken by this research because I saw a way to make changes in the way not in what challenges I'm facing. Right. So I'm still going to face the same challenge, but in the way I explain the challenge and the story I'm telling myself. Yeah, the story I'm telling myself. What kind of story am I telling myself and what kind of story am I telling the world? The other thing is if you're if you're younger or if you're a social media person and you're listening to this episode and you are familiar with filters, filters for pictures that you would put on Instagram, Snapchat filters, whatever it is, when you're thinking in a certain way, it's like you have a filter. And if you have a filter, you don't see what's really outside of you. You see it through the world of the filter. So the sun is always shining. The sun is out. It's out somewhere. But I can't really see it if I have this, dark, this darker filter on. And you, you start to believe there is no sun. There is no light. All I can see is the darker filter. So it's, is it the world or is it the filter that we look through? Um, Ooh, I like yeah. that. Yeah. I like the filter. Instead That's of changing, awesome. yeah. Instead of changing, I used to have a teacher who used to say, "Well, do you want to? Are you going to change the projector to to see a different film, or, or are you going to?" Yeah, he said, "Are you going to? Really, you need to change the projector, not the screen. The screen is the screen." <laughs> and says, "Many people look at the screen and they say, I should change that.' No, you need to go back to the projector and see what kind of lens you're looking through." So anyway, good night, That's, everybody. That yeah, that, I mean, no, that's it. That, that was the end of the show. We're not going to get better than that, guys. Not today. <laughs> well, anyway, but that, so now so now we go on to the next one, which is the growth versus the fixed mindset. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure you've probably heard some version of you're so smart or you're so talented since the moment that you were born, right? I mean, people cannot help but say these lines. Oh, my goodness, you're so smart. Oh, she's so smart. And it's out of love. Right. And it's out of pride a lot of times. And and kids absorb this from a really young age, that kind of praise. And so what happens is, is that a belief system forms. Right. We were talking about where do the beliefs come from? Well, they come from lots of different places. But a lot of times this belief system really affects your ability to, let's say, be courageous. OK, so I want to give you a one question quiz. Ready? OK, here we go. Okay, Here it is. My intelligence can change over time. True or false? How much time do I have? No, uh, tr <laughs> true, true. True. Okay, let me give you another one. My intelligence can change with effort. True or false? True. 
Yes. Okay. So these things are true, right? There was a researcher, which a lot of people know, who probably a lot of our community listening to this podcast even know. Her name is Carol Dweck. And she was interested in studying success, right? What makes a child successful, another child not as successful? What makes kids take risks? What makes kids get back up in the face of failure? And so her research produced two different mindsets. One is a growth mindset. And that's where you believe how smart you are and how talented you are can change with effort. And a fixed mindset is you believe how smart you are can't change, right? It doesn't matter. You are just born with the smarts and the noggin you have. Nothing is changing, right? Right. So the good thing is, is that I, if you have ever had a fixed mindset, right, that is not fixed. You can actually change your mindset. But the way that you look at intelligence and abilities is so important when it comes to really every aspect of your life. Because the research is, it's just amazing. When you have a fixed mindset and you believe that no matter what you do, you're not getting any smarter, well, this is, you not just, you don't just stop taking risks, right? You want to protect this idea that you are smart. You don't want people to know your level of intelligence. So you're the child that stops raising your hand in class. Well, if I get it wrong, then everyone will know, you know, you try out for less activities, you just take less chances. And so kids with fixed mindsets have a really, really difficult time because they can be extremely bright. This actually isn't about how smart you are, quote, I'm putting that in air quotes right now, by the way, Ed, Mm -hmm. because, you know, what does that mean? Right. But it's not about how smart you actually are in whatever way you look at it. It's about whether you believe that your intelligence can grow. And when you have the belief that the effort that you make can actually make a change to your brain, then you just start taking more chances. You have more courage, right? You take feedback better. Kids with fixed mindsets, they're terrible with criticism. They don't want to make an effort. They're the kids, and I was this kid, who say, listen, I went out to try out for the softball team and I didn't hit a home run, so I guess I don't have, I'm not good at this, right? It's not like all the people that hit the home run, they're obviously practicing. (laughs) They probably didn't come out of the womb like that. Right. Right. So I, I, you know, I'm, when I'm working with kids or I'm working with parents who have kids that have fixed mindsets, I always say, you need to look under the duck, which have I said that to you before, Ed? I don't <laughs> think you have. Duck. No. <laughs> Look under the duck. I, I Look like under this. the duck. Okay. Yeah. We are always looking at these ducks that are gliding across the lake, right? Those are the kids that are doing it so well. But what's under the duck? Under the duck are these two legs that are furiously kicking, that are doing hard work, that are getting caught in some seaweed or something and then unsticking themselves. I don't know what happens to a duck. I don't know if that happens to a duck. Please don't write in and tell me that never happens to a duck. (laughs) But I love that. See, that's better than keep calm and carry on. I like that so much better. That's a bumper sticker. Look under the duck. Yeah. Let's look under the duck because we have completely forgotten what's going on under there and how much hard work it takes and that that work is actually making a change in your brain and your body. Okay, so this mindset is so incredibly important, right? But Listen, we're not sitting here and saying, oh, all you have to do is change your mindset and then you don't have to make any effort. You still have to be the duck that's furiously kicking underneath the water, 
right? And making the right kind of effort to reach your goals. But without the belief that all that kicking is going to do anything, what's the point? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, it's, but again, yeah, again, it's, it's, it's bringing that, that kind of, that kind of attitude, that kind of mindset in. And somehow the synthesis of teaching both of those things at the same time, because as soon as people hear, you know, people want to hear, want to see the duck gliding. And so if you tell somebody that, you know, that you can just change your mindset and your whole life will change, then they relax. Then they go on a vacation. (laughs) Mentally, it's kind of like, oh, I don't have to do anything. You do have to do anything. But wouldn't it be interesting to do things with joy or to do things with, you know, some kind of a measured approach as opposed to, I just started to struggle a little bit, so my life is over. Yeah, it would. I mean, imagine how much you could get done if you didn't get stuck in the struggle. Imagine the potential our children could reach if they didn't get stuck in the struggle. Yeah. And and they're they're wading through the struggle. Yeah, we think that the, that it means something. That's the other thing is that you you know when you have this kind of mindset, you think that everything means something, and it doesn't mean anything. It's just, or it, I don't want to say it doesn't mean anything, but it doesn't it doesn't carry meaning with it. It's just an activity. It's just a moment. It's just whatever is going on. But we think you know we chain think this is connected to that and my whole life is like this and it's never going to change so yeah i mean i experience it you know it's so much it's become so much of a part of the way that i process things so this is really all these things that you're saying it's really a conscious thing i mean you really have to have an intention of i'm going to look at the way i'm thinking today yes You do. And then you have to really refine these ideas in your own life to suit you, right? Because what we're giving you, I feel like, is a starting point. And especially if you're a parent and you're helping a kid work through this, or we have a lot of kids that actually listen to the podcast, and you're like, okay, I'm going to change my mindset, you know? Now I know the effort I put in can actually grow my brain. I know that mistakes can make my brain stronger. Okay, great. Now I go to school and I get into class and I make a huge mistake and I'm in the middle of it. And I'm trying to apply what I've learned from the Dear Anxiety podcast and I'm getting stuck. Okay, so then what? Because I want this to be a starting point for a conversation and we want to hear back from you. Where did you guys struggle with the ideas that we're putting out there? Where did you see that we need to fill in the gaps? You know, this is, again, is a starting point. And as you said, it's these are intentional practices that are not easy to do, which brings us... Yeah. Tell me what you did. You know, and the other thing I want to hear from people, I want to hear from listeners. Tell me what you did that worked for you. I'm very interested in what worked for you. I want to know people don't in today's world, people don't talk about what works for them. They talk about what doesn't work. And the media especially perpetuates this. Tell me what worked for tell me something that 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 helped you. Whatever it is, it doesn't have to be, you know, a, a, even a technique. Just how did you approach a, a problem or solve something or help yourself with some relief by something that you did? Yes, I love that. That is amazing. That's what we would love to hear as well. So what is going well? What's good? What's working for you? Tell us, tell us, share with us. And we would like to share it on the air. So you can always write us at... Uh, what's what's the site? Gozen, G- Gozen.com. Gozen.com forward slash dear anxiety. Yes, there's a form on there and that will come directly to Ed and I. 
Yeah. Yay. Good. All right. So we have another set of mindsets. So stress when it comes to stress. And we've talked about this before. So should we do a little game show? Yes. Welcome. Like a role play for the day. Yes. Welcome to Stress Busters. I'm Ed Krasnick. Today, we're playing for home viewers, and somebody's going to win a prize. It's going to be a trip, and they're going to get a mental vacation. <laughs> awesome. Okay, Ed, you are a contestant for the day. Thank you. And I have a few questions for you. Okay, now, when it comes to stress, how much stress have you experienced in the last year? A, a little bit. B, medium. <laughs> see a lot, a lot, a lot. I am so stressed out that I need you to repeat the question. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I brought somebody with me and I have a lifeline that I'm going to call about this, but I'm going to say C because a lot, a lot, a lot. Okay. So you have experienced a lot, a lot, a lot. Okay. Question number two. Do you believe that stress is more harmful than good? It messes you up when it comes to motivation, it decreases your productivity, and it's probably killing you? Or do you believe that stress is more helpful than harmful? It can help you problem solve, it can help you gather info or support, and it can help you make the best of a situation. Okay, which one do you believe more? It's probably killing me. <laughs> and I don't want to oh, say probably, right. it's definitely killing me. All right. Well, you are going to walk away with some heart disease and some other terrible things today. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you for those gifts. Yes, I want to do that. I don't want to I don't want that necessarily to happen, but I do need to lay down. Okay. Well, please yep. don't lie down on the show. Listen. Okay. Okay, good. <laughs> okay. So, so here's the thing, right? They have done this study and I've talked about this study before, but I'll talk about it again because it's so awesome and amazing. Kelly McGonigal in the Upside of Stress talks about it. I think she had a TED talk where she talked about it. Aliyah Krom, um, who's a researcher, does these awesome mindset research studies. She's talked about this study, but basically they did this study in the U.S. with 30,000 people approximately. I think it was like 28,000. And they asked them those two questions. How much stress have you had? And do you think it's harmful, more harmful than helpful or more helpful than harmful? And I can't believe I said that properly. Try to say that 10 times twice. That's amazing. Good tongue twister. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So it turns out that if you've had a lot of stress in you know the last year, then those people get the stat, had a 43% increased chance of mortality. Whoa. 43% wow. higher chance of death. That is a lot. Huge. But only, only if they believed that stress was also harmful. So it wasn't the people that had a lot of stress that believed stress could be more helpful. It, were, it was the group of people that answered, yes, I had a lot of stress, and yes, I think it's killing me. Those people, right, so the mindset, the way that you view stress had a very big effect on how stress affects the body. And this is amazing, especially if you have kids that are going back to school right now, you know, starting school and that school anxiety is creeping up and that school stress is creeping up. The way 
that you view stress changes the way that it reacts in your body. And so it's incredibly important, you know, you were talking about the news earlier, Ed, that the news on stress is balanced. You were also talking about balance. There is an imbalanced view that stress kills you and that it's harmful and that you need to get rid of it. And this is just not aligned with the science or the science of well-being. So what you really need to do is work with your kids so they understand, yeah, you're experiencing stress. Did you know it can help you with problem solving? Did you know that it can help you be more productive? It can help motivate you. You can use it in situations. It can help you grow. You can experience post-traumatic growth. There's a lot of things that stress can do in your body that can actually be helpful. Hmm. That's, that's really interesting. And it's not, you know, I, I think that we talked about this a, a while ago, but that stress was at one time that, that it was the stress industry and the stress media that was making people so stressed out. And that that was one of the leading causes of death, that the, the stress industry was actually ca- one of the causes of death. I mean, if you, you know, you came on my game show just now and you told me that you were stressed and then you said that that stress is killing you. So if you are stressed out and then you believe that stress is bad for you, obviously that's going to add a layer of stress (laughs) onto you, right? And this is not telling you to believe in some fairy tale, some myth, something make believe, right? There are a lot of benefits to stress. And stress in your body can be motivating. It can help you produce. It can be used in performance situations. It can be used in short-term situations. And so for kids who are going to perform, you know, one of the quickest, best interventions that they can do if they're going to take a test or give a speech or meet someone they don't know and that's making them nervous is to transfer their their stress into excitement by just saying, I'm excited. Oh, I feel those butterflies in my stomach. I must be excited you know, and that excitement is going to help me in this situation. So this is self-talk. This is, this is the, these are the things that you tell yourself. And, and, and of course, anyone can do that. The things that you tell yourself are very important. Now you think about this, this is another game show I want to do, and it's called What's Killing Me Now? And the game show is this, is it, is it the situation or is it the way you're thinking about the situation? Which it's is it? the way you're thinking about the situation. Ding, Thank ding, you ding, ding. so what much for playing our game. You're taking a <laughs> mental vacation to Puerto Vallarta. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> pack your I'm mental never... bags, pack your baggage, because you're going. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I would actually like to add another mindset to this, but I'm going to put you on the spot because we didn't talk about any of this in okay. advance. Okay. And I would like to say that you can have a humor mindset when it comes to situations in your life. And can you tell us about that? Like, is it possible to look at something that anybody would consider extremely stressful, right? They have a list of like the top 10 stressful things in life. So death, marriage, right? Right. (laughs) Moving. So let's say that you have to make a big move in your life. Right. Can you use humor to help you get through that? Yes, you can. And we'll be right back with more on that. No, uh, yes, you can. And, and here's the thing. The first thing, and we talk about this in improv, in improvisation, is that you don't, you don't deny what you've been given. You say yes to it. You say yes to it. You say, see, I heard what you said. You said you're moving and it's a big move and you got a lot to do. And, and so here it is. So with humor, you can look at it in a funny way and say, oh my God, I've got so much, I've got so much to do. I feel like I want to lay down right now. I feel like I want to lay down, but I've got the movers coming and they'll have to pack me too. 
So, I mean, what I grew up doing just naturally is taking the situation and sort of exaggerating it and saying, yeah, I do see it. And it is a big deal. And it's so big that I'm going to say, I'm going to take it to the nth extreme. I'm not going to do it to be negative. I'm going to do it to sort of exaggerate it so I can look at it. And humor is a great way of doing that. Everybody has a sense of humor. Everybody has a sense of what's funny to them. The first part of it is you say yes to it and you say, look at this. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it crazy? Look at this. And, and, and then you can take it anywhere. So humor, unlike what I've just done, actually works. Is that a teachable skill? Is that something that you can teach? And is it something that you would encourage a parent to teach their kids how to do on their own? Because I'm kind of thinking about this and thinking, I wonder if you, with your daughter, if you've ever used humor and she's ever come back to you and said, Dad, this isn't funny. Yes, uh, that has happened. And what happens to me is I keep going because I'm a comedian, (laughs) right? And the thing about comedy is when you do it once, it's a mistake. When you do it twice, it's a bigger mistake. And when you do it three times, it's brilliant. Ah. The more you do it, the funnier it is. So, so comedically, those are the rules. Now, it doesn't mean negating what your kids say. You know how far that you can, you can go with your kids. But it's just really a sense of play about things. It's a sense of perspective. And that's what humor does. It puts things in perspective. And you can do that by exaggerating. And you'll find out what, what makes your kids laugh, you know, and what makes you laugh. And no matter, that's the one thing I can say about my family and the way that I grew up. My mom had a great ability to turn darkness into light. And the way that she did it was through humor. So I learned from her. So yes, I would say that humor is a great way to deal with all kinds of situations and particularly stress. I think that's amazing. It's such a connecting thing to laugh too. I just want to, you know, kind of bring up this one thing. I was visiting my parents the other day and I love them to death. And my dad said something to me that sort of took me aback. You know, I was hurt by it. He was like, you know, I know that you guys are busy. He was talking about my brother and I, and mom and I are getting older. And we're just, you know, we think that if, if something happens to one of us, would you guys take care of us? And I was so hurt. I was thinking to myself, what would give you the idea we wouldn't take care of you? Of course we would, you know, in my head. But then I took a pause and I was like, this is a moment for humor. And I said, you know what, dad, never underestimate how much I want to take care of you guys. I have been stocking up on applesauce for like the last decade. <laughs> yeah, I know you love applesauce. I yeah. know. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. waiting for your teeth to fall out so I can feed you applesauce. And we both just started cracking up. But I was hurt. I truly was. And it, it was healing for both yeah. of us. And then I gave him a hug and I said, in all sincerity, of course, there's nothing more in the world that I would want to do in a situation like that. You know, and he heard me. That's fantastic. That's a great, and that's a great, look, it did hurt and you transformed it. And so that's just, that's a great example. And, you know, I'll be coming to your house for applesauce in 10 years. I'll be happy Um, to feed it to you. (laughs) You'll have plenty because you'll, you'll have an applesauce, uh, you'll have an applesauce theme park. But, but I, but I think that, I think that's great. But could you do me a favor? Could you, could you say something as your mom? Because I think you're describing your mom, but I think, I think, I don't know why. I just want to hear her say the thing about optimism. 
<laughs> Rini, you just have to think the good stuff. Oh my goodness, Ed. It kills me when she says that. Kills me. Kills me. I'm not but making it, fun of you, mom. I'm just saying. Not making fun of you Because she never gave me, you know what? She never went beyond the platitude and her intention was always beautiful, but she never gave me the how-to or the technique. And of course, like, I mean, you know, not that she had to give me like the science behind it, but that intrigues me, but she never gave me anything beyond that. So I always just thought it was a pat on the back. Just do it. I'm like, okay, thanks. I can't. I would I can't buy do so it. many more Nikes if I heard your mother's voice advertising it. <laughs> uh, I just think that's great. Okay, so we all have we all have parents in us and uh and we we take the we take it all together. Remember, balanced thinking, balanced thinking. So you're on a seesaw, you're on an emotional seesaw, and that's what life that's what's happening today in today's world a lot. But we're gonna have to close the show, you know, because we have to. But before we do it. And I don't know if we have the time to do this, but, you know, we get letters, we get mail, we get emails is what I'm saying, because we're not living in the Pony Express days. But we get emails. And Rini, if you could just briefly share one of the ones that we got recently. Oh, we got a beautiful one from Ashley. Ashley, thank you for listening. She says, thank you for your dedication to helping all of us break down and better understand our thoughts, feelings, and needs. Your podcast has made a wonderfully positive difference in my own life and to those I've passed it along to. Ed and Rini, you rock. With gratitude, Ashley. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you so much, Ashley. And I really, I really appreciate you listening and appreciate your feedback. It's fantastic. And please keep listening and let's have another, let's have another dialogue with you. Let us know what's going on. Let us know what's happening. And please, you know, reach out to us at gozen forward slash dear anxiety. Gozen, G-O-Z-E-N dot com forward slash dear anxiety. Right? Yes. Gozen.com forward slash dear anxiety. And okay. then find us on iTunes at bit.ly forward slash dear anxiety. And you guys, thank you so much for the ratings on iTunes and the reviews. That really, really helps us reach more people. We're so grateful. And if you guys know anyone who thinks they would like, who you think would like this podcast, we'd love for you to share it. And please continue to come on our game shows, which is What's Killing Me Now. And also the other one, the one that we did is, my God, too much coffee today. Yeah. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. And watch watch how you think. That's my new bumper sticker. Watch how you think. Love it. Okay. I'm Ed Krasnick. I'm Rini Jane. See you next time. Bye, guys. Thank you.